0: Oh, okay, Sahana Babatu Saha no Punaktu Sahavi Yamkada Vava Hay. They Vishava Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Welcome everyone. So we finished chapter one and we're starting chapter two. It's the seventh class. Does anyone have, this chapter is called the Yoga of Knowledge. The first chapter is called Yoga of Arjuna's Despondency. Which meaning is downfall. So as mentioned before, yoga does not only mean stretching, exercise, doing different postures. Yoga is a word that is used to mean to reunite with the self. That is the, the true meaning of the word. For well, people who have recently joined in these classes, we, as a human being, is made up of the spirit, the matter, the self, Atman, God principle, whatever you want to call it. Plus the material that layers, which is the body-mind-intellect. But we as humans, so busy fulfilling our desires, we have forgotten about the Atman. Instead, we identify only with the body-mind-intellect. So throughout life, we only cater to these three components of our personality. We've forgotten the spirit, the enliving factor. So the purpose of life is to reunite with the Atman, to become one with the Atman, the spirit. And this is spiritual development. And when you achieve that oneness, it is called self realization. Krishna was self realized. Jesus Christ was self realized. Swami Ramatita, Ramana Maharishi, many other self realized souls we're not aware of. So, any attempt in life to get back to the self, Atman, it is called yoga so this chapter is called yoga of knowledge so that means we will hear knowledge given by krishna which if understood and applied helps one to reunite with the self next chapter is called yoga of action so it explains how to perform the right action in life that will help reunite with the self-atman. Is that clear? Any questions on that? So that's the meaning of yoga. So as you go along in the book, yoga of renunciation of action and wisdom, Verse uh, chapter four. So this is how, so yoga is what used to, describe that unification. So, Arjuna continues to put his argument to Krishna of all the reasons why he should not fight. He's hoping Krishna will agree with him, advise him that he's right, but Krishna does not say a word. In Arjuna's case, his whole argument is based on ignorance, meaning lack of knowledge. So, what he his saying has no value really. All the reasons he gives are based on his own attachments to his relatives fighting for the Korovas side. In fact, the only way to bring righteousness back to the kingdom is to kill the source of unrighteousness, which is to kill the Korovas, simple as that. We're all ignorant about the purpose, the meaning of life. So from verse 11 of this chapter, Krishna gives him the knowledge to remove his ignorance. Krishna gives us the knowledge to remove our ignorance. So we all benefit from this teaching. If we learn and apply this knowledge to our own life, we can follow the footsteps of Krishna. Krishna. So there's no question, no issue that we face in life that this knowledge cannot answer or help with. Any issue, any problem you have in life, there is an answer in the Gita to help you. Now, in chapter two, which we're gonna begin today, Krishna gives out the highest philosophy, the highest knowledge that's contained in the Gita. Any idea why? Why in chapter two and why not in chapter
1: 18? Yeah, Vanita? To basically wake up origin from his slumber to make him realize that the person he's talking to is beyond what he thinks he is like. It's not his friend, it's beyond that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, anybody else? You're absolutely right. Anyone else wants to add to that? Why is he given the highest philosophy in chapter 2 and not in chapter 18 or 17?
2: Is it because Arjuna's open to receive the knowledge? When? Um, in chapter 2, when he goes through, he resides himself.
0: We will find that he's not open to it, actually, in chapter 2. So it's the opposite of what you've said, Ravi. See, on the WhatsApp message I sent on the Sunday group, I highlighted one word. Don't know if anyone caught that word. Krishna Bin, what was that word? <laughs> Did, does anyone read what I put out on Sunday morning class? What we're going to study? The message I sent WhatsApp highlighted one word. We said, "Friend." Arjuna and Krishna were friends. Arjuna knew that Krishna was wise. But he did not know that his friend had such knowledge. That's the reason. And when Arjuna is completely collapsed, in verse 7 he says to Krishna, I am thy disciple, help me, tell me, what should I do? Because I don't have a clue. So then Krishna gives the highest knowledge so that Arjuna is stunned. He's astonished. Arjuna says, Krishna, I didn't know you knew all this. Where did you learn this? I had no idea. So he stuns him with the highest philosophy. So then what happens is, Arjuna has confidence in Krishna and then he surrenders to him. So that's why in chapter 2, He gives Arjuna the highest knowledge. Knowing full well, it's going to be over his head. He ain't going to understand a word Krishna is saying. Because he's still down, he's still in an emotional state. So only in verse 54, Arjuna begins to wake up. And he asks Krishna a question. an Irrelevant question, but he asks Krishna a question. And the end of chapter two, Arjuna is completely awake, meaning he has come out of his emotional state, he's able to take in what Krishna is saying. So then, from chapter three, Krishna begins his sermon and starts on the basics. I'm just preparing you for you're gonna because we're gonna go to chapter two and think, Blimey, how am I gonna understand that? <laughs> yeah, and this is the reason. But from chapter three, he takes it all the way down to basics, it's like now he's gonna teach trigonometry, but they don't even know how to do additional minus and the basics of maths, but they're gonna, Krishna's gonna teach him uh, quadratic equations. How's he gonna get that? So this is where we're at, but chapter three, he starts from the basics. So some of you may think this chapter will be complicated, but, but the difference here is that Arjuna is, in a worse state than any of us in this class. He was not looking for this knowledge. All of you have given up your precious Sunday morning to learn this knowledge. So therefore you are all more prepared than Arjuna to receive this knowledge. So you will be receptive more to it. Any questions? Yeah, is that clear? So if it goes over your head, don't worry about it. We're going to go to basics in chapter three. But at least you'll have an idea of what's involved in this subject. Yeah. Right, Siltel's got a question,
3: um, You said if we have any issues in life yeah. or problems, the Gita gives us the answers or helps us yeah. to find the answer or solution. it's it's a huge book Mm -hmm. and so many verses how will we know which part applies to the problem we have because we could get frustrated to think we're not finding the answer Mm -hmm. because we need to know which part to go to to get the answer we're not going to have the capacity to go through all of it okay how will
0: we know which, where the answer is? So, did everyone, could everyone hear that now? Great. Excellent. So, Sittle's question is, how will we know which verse to look at if we have a problem in life? Dermesh, which verse do we look at? The one that awakens you to the soul. The one that awakens you. See, what's the anybody else? Good, good answer. Anybody else? She's not. She's she's not uh, receptive to what you said, dear. I'm sorry. So, which verse? First of all, you have to have faith that Krishna's teachings will help me. Arjuna is going to have faith after chapter two that Krishna can help him. Similarly, we have to have that faith. And when you open, they say that no matter what problems you have in life, you open the Gita, any verse you read will lift you. It's been said. So it doesn't really matter which verse. There's no direct verse to help you with your issue. The Gita helps lift you from your negative situation whatever you're feeling whatever grief you you have by reading any of the verses of the gita krishna's teachings will lift you from that state when it lifts you from that state you can think and when you can think you realize your problem is no big deal and that's what helps you to get you out of the situation whatever issue whatever problem you have number one faith yes this will answer my problem this will have an answer to my problem solution to my problem and number two just devoted and reading any verse with that devotion will help you help to lift you out of that quandary that you're facing is that okay so she's nodding yes she's happy any questions See, you're directing your mind away from your problem to something higher. That in itself will help you. doesn't matter which verse you read. You're no longer thinking of your problem. Okay, any other questions before we start chapter two? Okay. First eight, seven verses. It's still Arjuna talking. First eight verses. Still Arjuna, despondent state. So we'll start with verse one. Chapter two, yeah? (laughs) Sanjaya uvacatam tathakripaya vistham asrupurna kulekshanam Vishid Vakyam Uva Chama Sanjaya Uva Cham Tata Kripaya Ashrupurna Kulek Shanam Vakyam Uva Chama Sanjaya said, to him who was thus overcome with pity, whose eyes were filled with tears, who was agitated and despondent, Madhusudana spoke these words. So, remember, just a quick recap. Didrashtra is the father of the Kauravas, selfish person. He should have advised Duryodhana and his brothers that fighting this war was wrong and that Duryodhana should give the kingdom back to the Pandavas because it belonged to them and as he promised. But Dhrishtra, instead of doing that, due to his attachment to his sons and the kingdom, he let them continue in raging this war. He should have stopped it, but he didn't. And he is sitting in Hastinapur in the palace and because he is blind, Sanjaya, his consul has been given the power to see the battle from the palace. And he gives the commentary of what is going on in the battlefield in Kurukshetra, where the war is going to happen. He tells the Drishra what's going on. Now Sanjaya knew that the Pandavas were going to beat the Kauravas. Why? Any idea why? Sanjaya already knew the end result. Yes, Vanita? Krishna was on his side. Krishna was on his side. And he knew, Sanjaya knew the greatness of Krishna. He realized that he's a self-realized person, Lord. And he was aiding the Pandavas. So in this verse, Sanjaya says that to him who was thus overcome with pity... Eyes filled with tears, meaning he's talking about Arjuna. Madhusudana, meaning Krishna, spoke these words. That's all it says. Arjuna is overcome with emotions. There's pity in his eyes for his cousins, his grandfather, his guru. He can't fulfill his duty. Similarly, when we are overly emotional, we can't function properly. We can't fulfill our responsibilities, our duties. This is the life of most people in the world, by the way. They act based on their emotions. How dare you say that to me? There's nothing wrong with emotions love, devotion, these are beautiful emotions. We can't afford to get emotional. You're supposed to use your emotions. you have to show anger but you can't afford to let the anger take over. You lose control of your own personality. That's when you end up doing and saying crazy things. child is not listening. you need to use your anger, not abuse your anger. So we have to be aware. Try to control our emotions. How do you control your emotions? How do you control your emotions? Where do the emotions come from? Where are the emotions? Yipa, I know you know. Thoughts? The mind. The mind. Emotions are in the mind. Mind is like a child. What has to control it? The intellect. So if you develop your intellect, it you can control the mind, control your emotions. So Arjuna is overcome with emo- emotions. So he can't function. He's lost control of his personality. No intellect there. Any questions? That's verse one. Everyone understand? Great, Venita.
1: Sanjay addresses the Drashta in this verse. The first chapter described Arjun's state of extreme dejection. The second chapter begins with a point—a pointed reference to that state to which Arjun had fallen, extremely agitated and despondent he was in tears Bring, beginning with the verse with the verse 11 of this chapter till the end of the gita krishna speaks to arjun and lifts him out of this condition the effect of krishna's sermon suggests that the philosophy of the gita can revive even a person who has fallen into such a deplorable state sage vyasa thoroughly prepares the elaborate background of the despondency and depression, depression. overwhelmed by emotions Arjun is totally confused and confounded. His limbs fail him. The great warrior announces his incapacity to face and fight his enemies. He is unable to carry out his duty and responsibility as a soldier. With gradual administration of the Gita, Arjun recovers from the emotional support and fulfills fulfills his obligatory duty by fighting the righteous war facing him. Sanjaya refers to Krishna as Madhusudana in this verse, Madhusudana literally means the slayer of Madhu. Krishna acquired this name when he killed the demon Madhu who had been tyrannizing the celestials. In using this name, Sanjaya seems to warn Dithrasta of of the impending destruction of his trinical sons because of Krishna's support of the band of his cause. Sanjay hopes the old king will will influence his sons to withdraw from the battlefield and make peace with the bandhavas.
0: Thank you. Maybe from where you
3: are. Any questions? Okay. Verse
0: two. Krishna talks. Shri Bhagavanu Vacha Kutas Vakas Malam Midam Vishamesam Upasthitam Anaryajastama Svargyam Akirti Karama Shri Bhagavanu Vacha Kutas Vakas Malam Midam the Blessed Lord said, Whence has this dejection come upon you in a crisis? Unworthy of an Aryan, attaining neither heaven nor fame or Arjuna. So Krishna is now asking Arjuna. Krishna talks, Asked, where have this sadness come from, Arjuna? It really doesn't suit you. This is what Krishna is saying. Arjuna, you are Aryan. Aryan is a highly developed, brave race. And also you are a warrior, one of the best warriors. How can you fall to this death, this state? This is what Krishna is saying to Arjuna. Krishna is talking to all of us, by the way, not just to Arjuna, yeah? We are human beings. We are a superior race compared to all other animals in the world. Animals can't help themselves. They can't control their emotions. But we are developed. We have an intellect. We have the ability to have control over our personalities if we understand how. This is what the Kita is teaching us. So he's talking to Arjuna. This doesn't suit you man, what you, what, the way you're behaving. The Aryan race is a high, highly developed race and Arjuna is an Aryan. So it's not as if he was any sort of trivial person. So it really doesn't uh, suit him to behave in this way. Any questions? You
3: got
0: a question? Let's have read the, um... Vanita, can you read the commentary, please?
1: The first chapter of the Gita begins with the Dhrashtra's initial verse. Sorry, Vanita,
0: could you read a slightly slower, please? Okay,
1: sorry. The first chapter of the Gita begins with Litrasha, Litrasha's initial verse addressed to Sanjaya. Thereafter, either Sanjaya or Arjun speaks speaks for forty seven verses until the first verse of the chapter of chapter two. Significantly, Krishna remains silent—a silence which pronounces supreme poise and objectivity. Krishna breaks his silence in this verse. He wonders how Arjun could. Plunged into such dejection at the crucial hour of, hour of battle. Krishna asks Arjun, Whence has this glorious state come upon you? It is not becoming of an Aryan to behave thus. It will, it will get you neither fame in the present nor heaven in the future. Krishna's wonder was aroused by Arjun's behavior because Arjun was one of the greatest warriors of the time. He could easily vanquish the most powerful of adversaries. Moreover, he had the nobility of character to fulfill his obligations as a Shastri warrior and a leader of the Pandava forces. How could a person like Arjun fall into such a deplorable state? The Aryan race which inhabited ancient India dedicated itself to spiritual emancipation, moksha, as an Aryan, Arjun was expected to aspire for the ultimate liberation through the path of action, karma Yoga, but his present cowardice prevents him from acting, thus opposing the main ideal of the Aryan culture. Hence, Krishna condemns his behavior as unworthy of an Aryan. Moreover, Arjun's behavior would not even yield limited benefits, such as fame and heaven, Heaven symbolizes benefits which will acquire in the future from good work and fame, the glories of the present. Arjun, Arjuna will achieve nothing in the present nor anything in the future by this suicide, suicidal stance on the battlefield. Yes, so you want to say something?
3: Yeah, so you, know, you, you were saying that the Gita provides us the answers. Um, so
0: can everyone hear by the way, yeah?
3: This this verse too because the whole of chapter one, when Arjuna's talking, it's because of his ignorance mm-hmm. and attachment to his family. So relatively in this verse, do you think Krishna is saying, be careful of your attachments and your ignorance? Mm-hmm.
0: What to Arjuna or to us? To us. Yeah, I mean, the whole um, whole idea of this teaching is so we can understand our attachments. Yeah, We're able to overcome our attachments. So this particular verse in itself is telling him, you know, that be a human being, at least, you know. No, I'm thinking about the message
3: to
0: you. It's message sense, to you, okay.
3: sense to think, be careful of your attachments, because you're saying it's a very verse. Mm-hmm. Because it's relative to all of us, not just our children.
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: And in that relative term, I'm thinking because it's all about attachment and ignorance, yeah. you know, Krishna in this verse is saying, come out of your ignorance and let go of your attachments as
0: such. Yeah, you can read it in that way if you wish. I mean, all the verses sort of lead to that. That's the whole idea. We all suffer because of our attachments. We're attached to everything in life. Name, fame, power, your house, your kids, your partner, it's all attachments and we suffer because of that. We're not saying don't be, but don't be affected by it. And this is the problem. Arjuna has been affected because of his attachments to his uh, to the Kauravas, his cousins, his family. So the Gita helps you to overcome those attachments. any other questions best three laybhyam <laughs> maasma kama paarkha ne tat vayu shudram redaya dorbalyam Yakvo tista paranta pa klayyam asma gama partha neeta payu padat yate sudram Yield not to unmanliness, O Partha. It does not befit you. Casting off this mean weakness of heart, arise, O Parantapa. So is still talking to Arjuna. Arjuna, you're a man, not a woman. Behave like one. Start behaving like one. This way, this way you are behaving does not suit you. You're a kshatriya, a warrior. Act like one. That's what Krishna is saying. The way you're carrying on is not manly. So get up and fight. He's encouraging him. He's trying to test, see, what, we, what the state is in. Krishna called Arjuna Partha in this verse. To remind him he's the son of Kunti. And his mother's advice to him, to Arjuna, was to fight and claim back the kingdom. So Krishna's subtly reminding him, hey, remember what your mother told you. Fight and claim back the kingdom. You're the son of such great people, great warriors. You can't behave in this way. So Krishna is trying to lift Arjuna from his state of despondency with these positive words. Maybe it would give him something to think about. He's trying to poke him. Come on, get up. Any questions? Okay. Arunaben?
4: Krishna addresses Arjuna as Paratha. Arjuna acquired this name as the son of Paratha, better known as Kunti. Earlier, Kunti had sent a message to Arjuna through Krishna, encouraged him to establish the Pandavas claim over their kingdom. By the arbitrament of war, Krishna uses the name Partha to recall to Arjuna's mind his mother's advice and wake him up from his emotional stupor. The use of Arjuna's other name, Parantapa, in this verse appears to give a similar psychological boost to his forlorn state of mind. Parantapa means scorcher of enemies. Arjuna earned that distinguished name by vanquishing extremely powerful demons like Neva kavacha in, in using Parantapa, Krishna tries to draw him out of his unmanly and faint-hearted behavior on the battlefield. Krishna cries out to Arjuna not to yield to the pusillanimity, to overcome his main weakness of heart. It does not become a warrior to act in such a manner, especially to Arjuna, renowned as the greatest of warriors. Therefore, Krishna, Krishna urges him to cast this frailty away, to prepare and harden himself for the battle. After all, the fight is against unrighteousness. Krishna was trying to resurrect righteousness in the society by destroying its unrighteous elements. It is interesting to note that practically all spiritual masters appeal to aspirants in terms of fighting. Jehovah in the Old Testament appealed to, appealed, gird up thy loins like a man. Jesus Christ in a- another context said, I came not to send peace, but a sword. The Buddha taught, arise thou hero, conquer in battle. Zoroaster appealed to pe- the people, fight for God and right against forces of darkness. Prophet Muhammad also called out, you shall fight the infidel. Obey, recompense, disobey, chastisement.
0: Thank you.
3: Any questions? Okay.
0: Verse four. So, Krishna's poking Arjuna and saying, come on, get up, be a man. <laughs> so, Arjuna replies, "Katham Bhishma Maham Sankhye Dronam charma du sudhana Ishu b prati Pujarha vali sudhana Arjuna uvacha Gatham bishma ham sankye Dronam charma du sudhana Ishu b prati Pujarha Arjuna said how shall I, O Madhusudana, fight with arrows against Bhishma and Drona in battle? They who are worthy of worship, O Arisudana." So Arjuna says in reply to Krishna, Krishna, it is easy for you to say arise Arjuna, this state is not for an Aryan. If you want, I can kill all the Kauravas. But how can I fight with arrows and kill Bishma and Drona? I worship these two fellows. How can I kill them? You have to understand his dilemma. It was Bhishma's kingdom that they were fighting for. Grandfather. Remember, we said in previous class, Bishma gave up his kingdom for his father's sake so he could marry a fisherman's daughter drona is his guru everything arjuna knows was taught him by drona arjuna owes his life to them drona taught arjuna archery as well so arjuna says you want me to shoot drona with the arrows he taught me to shoot with come on krishna how can i do that you have to I, you have to uh, sympathize with him See, the problem here is, as we discussed in the last class, no action is regarded as good or bad, but the intentions behind the action. See, in the Gita, they magnify the whole situation. What's the worst? Killing your own grandfather, your own guru. There could not be any worse action that we would have to do in life, could we? Could we do it? Can any of you do it? We can understand. If you take the action itself, it is wrong to kill. But if you look at the whole picture, he's trying to bring back righteousness back into the kingdom. Also remember, Drona and Bhishma could have decided not to fight. But they didn't. Also, why did they decide to fight for the wrong side? The unrighteous side. See, that's another argument altogether, which we won't go into, but it raises those questions. But you can understand why Arjunai behaves in this way, why he feels this. All of us would. Any questions? Okay. Odami?
4: Arjuna addresses Krishna as Madhusudana and Arhusudana. They mean slayer of Madhu, a demon, and destroyer of enemies, respectively. The choice of the two names symbolizes destruction of evil. Arjuna wonders how a person such as Krishna can exhort him to destroy noble men like Bhishma and Drona. Bhishma, their most revered living ancestor had out of nobility, renounced the kingdom for which the Kauravas and the Pandavas were fighting. Drona was a guru who taught them archery. Arjuna appeals desperately. How can I rise up against them and destroy them who are worthy of worship? Though Arjuna's reasoning all points to the external situation, his problem really arises from his internal condition. Overwhelmed with emotions, he is mentally depressed and dejected. Yet, he attributes his problem to external factors only. In this particular verse, he argues that he cannot fight because of the nobility of his adversaries. He makes no reference to his inner weakness, even as a contributory factor to his problem. This demonstrates a typical human weakness. Human beings as a race suffer from mental agitations. The sufferings differ only in degree; some less, some more. Every person attributes his suffering to outside forces, environmental factors, and external situations. Very rarely indeed does one admit that the problem lies within. Yet the cause of any humoring suffering arises out of one's own mental and intellectual makeup. The question posed by Arjuna in this verse brings up another important issue. Can a disciple raise arms against his own guru Drona and grandsire Bhishma and destroy them? The situation magnifies this issue to a staggering degree. Krishna seems to have sanctioned and what Arjuna considers atrocious. The mistake in Arjuna's evaluation lies in his belief that actions per se are good or bad. No action is inherently good or bad, the motto or intention behind the action renders it so. An apparently virtuous action may have a vicious motive behind it. Conversely, a seemingly vicious action may have a virtuous intention supporting it. In fact, Arjuna's predicament falls under the latter category. The ostensibly atrocious act of killing one's own guru and grandsire becomes an act of virtue due to the underlying noble intention of re-establishing righteousness.
0: So just killing those people, millions will benefit from it. So it's a righteous action. Otherwise millions are suffering. Any questions? So we're still going through Arjuna's despondency. A couple more verses. That's fine. Guru nahatvahi mahanubhavan Shreyo bhaktam bhaiksyam api halokhe guru nihaiva Bunjiya bhogan rudvira Guruna Hadva Himahanu Bavan Shreyo Bokdam Bakes Haloke Hadvarta Kam Sto Guruni Arjuna says. Better, indeed, is to live on arms in this world than to slay the most noble teachers. But by slaying them all, my enjoyments of wealth and desires, even here, will be stained with blood. It's changed slightly the frequency of what Arjuna is saying now. Very confused, Arjuna. He's saying, if I kill these people, then everything I enjoy in the future Wealth, kingdom, all my desires that I fulfill will be stained with blood. What does he mean by that? Any idea? I'm trying to wake you guys up. What does he mean by that? If I kill them, what, how will I enjoy this wealth and kingdom? How will I, what my desires that I fulfill will be stained with blood. What does he mean by that?
2: He's um emotionally attached to them, so he's seeing them as family and yeah to be worthy of um living life thereafter and such
0: but he's saying if I kill them how what, how will my life how will I enjoy life what does he mean by that what does he mean by that Gil he'll have the guilt right of killing his of, of killing those that he that he loves and How can he have any enjoyment by knowing that he attained all of this
1: by killing those that he loves?
0: Very
1: good.
0: Thank you, Gil. Absolutely right. It means he will be constantly mentally agitated throughout his life. He'll feel guilty all his life. So how can he enjoy anything knowing that he got all this by killing his own family? This is where he's coming from, Arjuna. Misunderstanding, can't see the big picture because he's in that state. You understand his confusion, but he's not fighting the war for personal reasons, but for the welfare of the kingdom. That's what he forgets, he's personalizing it. And you've got to remember, 13 years he has been preparing to kill Duryodhana and his brothers. 13 years he's been preparing. So we have to understand, that this is a temporary state Arjuna is in. He's showing his deepest fear. Now that he has to put in action what he has been planning for 13 years, he's collapsed. Thinking about it and doing it is two different things. All the planning you do in life, remember, everything you plan, One gust of emotion and everything can change. This is a fact of life. All the best of plans are turned upside down. See how powerful the mind is, if you don't control it. And this can happen to any of us. This is the thing. It can happen to any of us. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We have no idea. We don't know what karma has in store for us, Vanita. We all made plans, big and small. Suddenly coronavirus came, where did all our plans go? One second. There's nothing we can do about it. Stay at home. So, in life, you have to be prepared for the worst, the best you can. You have to be prepared for the worst. Venita, you had a question.
1: So, is Arjuna still like, obviously, the world, like I I did ask this question, the world works in like the opposites, isn't it? So, Mm -hmm. is he in this state where he still sees? that if I kill, then bad things are going to happen. Like, he sees his mind frame is still, like, yeah. what, what, hap- what he does will, obviously, his future he, will be. He's, he
0: doesn't see everything he's planned for 13 years. I'm going to kill them, bring righteousness back into the kingdom. Because what I see around me, everything going on, this isn't right. Yeah, Bandhava, um, the Pandavas were Sattvic people. Yeah unselfish people and here Duryodhana and his brothers are all selfish and he can see this in the society law and order is down the down the drain Uh, killing fighting and the Pandavas see this and think how can we let this go so they've planned all this but now because he's lost that view that grand picture of what his duty is Because he saw his family and he has to kill them. That's why he's lost it, like any of us would. So, this is the point the point is that we can plan everything, but we don't know what's in store. Can we handle it? Can we control it? You know, we make all these plans in life, but we don't know what's around the corner anything can happen any time how many people died in the coronavirus did they know they were going to die they, may, they must have made plans for next 10 15 years save up to go on a long cruise so this is how life is we got to be prepared anything can happen any time i'm not trying to put negativity in your heads but it's fact of life isn't it world is made of pairs of opposites. If good things are happening, you know bad things are around the corner. Bad things are happening, you know good things are gonna be around the corner. This is how life is. The world cannot function any other way. If it's gonna be hot, you know winter's coming, it's gonna get cold. You can't moan and complain about the winter coming. This is the facts of life. Any questions? Who's the reading, is it Uh, Arunabe?
5: No, it's me.
0: Ah, Emma, sorry.
5: Arjuna continues distorted evaluation in the situation. He still views his role in the war from a personal angle. He feels it is better to live on arms than to slay the noblest of teachers and elders. He gives more importance to his personal relationship with the people in the opposing forces than to the actual purpose for waging the war. He seems to have forgotten the mission underlying the righteous war supported by Lord Krishna himself. The mention of enjoyments of wealth and desire desires betray his inner feelings. His mind slips into the physical and mental enjoyments that would accrue from victory in the war. The reference to enjoyments contrasts glaringly with the thought of living on arms, mentioned in the same verse. Moreover, begging is the lowest of occupations. For a prince like Arjuna, it would be far more demeaning than for most others. Arjuna cannot claim to have reached that extreme state of sacrifice where he is willing to live on alms. His Pharisaical offer of renunciation stems from his emotional entanglement. They are mere empty words. If he really considered reducing himself to beggary, he would not in the very same breath speak of enjoyments. Arjuna is not a man of renunciation. He has his share of desires for wealth and pleasure. He only fears that they will be stained with the blood of his gurus and elders, that his enjoyments will be marred by the by a guilty conscience. His words clearly reveal his fear from deep within.
0: You see, I was just saying, I'd rather go and beg than claim this kingdom by killing these people. So this is how he's thinking. Verse 6. Nā caitat vitmā kattarānukāriyō yadvā jayemā yadivā no yānevā Vastita pramukhe dharatarashtraha Na chaitat vitmaj kataranogariyo Yad vajaya divano jayayuhu Yane vahat vana jiji visameste Vastita pramukhe dharatarashtraha Nor do we know which is better for us, that we should conquer them or they should conquer us. The very sons of the drishtra whom having slain we do not wish to live, stand facing us. One or two more verses and that's it. karjuna's has finished. Should we conquer them or should they conquer us? What kind of question is that? He's waiting there to fight. Should we conquer them or should we let them conquer us? They are our first cousins. Krishna, you're saying I should kill them? Arjuna is thinking from personal relationships. He is my cousin. Bhishma is my grandfather. Drona is my guru. How can I live life after I commit this terrible crime? You might think, why is it going on and on and on? You put yourself in that situation. The war is about to begin. You have to start fighting. You're going to say whatever... You, you're gonna say not to be able to perform the action. Yeah, you may say ten times. So this is you have to understand why is the verse similar to the others. Because this is the state he's in. How can I live life after I commit this terrible crime? See, he cannot think in this way. That time has gone now. His whole perspective, the way he's looking at the situation is wrong. He's raised the doubt now. You can see that he's waking up. He's raised the doubt now. Instead of saying, I won't fight, he has changed his stance slightly by saying, shall we kill them or shall we be killed by them? Krishna, what do you reckon? Which one's going to be better? Shall I get killed and give up or shall we kill them? So he's he's thinking a little bit. Before it was, I'm not going to fight. I don't care. Now he's thinking in this verse, what's going to be better? So in life, we have to be careful how we view different situations. There's more than one way. Your way may not be the right way. You have to evaluate the whole situation. So Arjuna is asking Krishna now, what's better? Shall we kill them or let them kill us? It's a silly question, really, isn't it? Any questions? We can't question Arjuna's despondency. It's difficult, isn't it? We just have to endure it. Two more verses. Emma.
5: Throughout the first chapter and up to the previous verse in this chapter, Arjuna zealously maintained his stance that it is wrong to fight this war in this verse, he shows the first sign of doubt. Should they conquer the Kaurav- Kauravas or let the Kauravas conquer them? One of, one of man's greatest shortcomings is not his ignorance, but his belief that he knows something. When he actually does not, inte- when he actually does not intellectual arrogance impedes the intake of knowledge. Arjuna believed that he have, he knew the situation and the problem. Confronting him, he explained his understanding eloquently. From the first chapter and continuing to the eighth verse, in the second chapter, Krishna remained a silent witness of his outburst. He waited patiently until this moment when Arjuna admits his ignorance by doubting which course of action he should take. However, the doubting does not long last. He again speaks with certainty, exclaiming he he does not wish to live after slaying the sons of Dhradrashtra. The human intellect falls under three categories, Sattvika, pure, Rajasika, passionate, and Tamasika, dull. The Sattvika intellect, which is of the highest quality, knows clearly the paths of which is the highest quality, knows clearly the paths of action and renunciation, knows that ought to be done and what ought not to be done. The Rajiska, Rajisika intellect understands wrongly the paths of action and renunciation, erroneously cl- concludes what ought to be done and what ought not to be done. The Damasika intellect, the lowest of the three, sees everything perverted, thinks unrighteous to be righteous. Arjuna has a typical Rajisika intellect, which he exposes in his long monologue. He was wrongly concluded that he ought not to fight. He is a warrior who does not know whether he should conquer or be conquered. Krishna's intellect is satvika; It clearly spells out the right course of action for Arjuna after he surrenders and seeks Krishna's guidance.
0: So we'll cover more of the three gunas, Rajas, uh, Satvik, rajasik, damasik, later on in other chapters, we go into more detail. But right now, we just accept what is written there. Um, and we'll go into more detail later. Any questions? So, this is uh, so we've got two more verses to go. <laughs> Yachreya sianish chitam bruhitan me Shish yaste ham vam prapananam Kerpanyado sopa hats Prichami vam dal masamu da chitam bruhitanme. My nature is overpowered by the taint of pity. With my mind confused as to duty, I ask thee, tell me decisively which is good for me. I am thy disciple. Instruct me who has taken refuge in thee. Here we go. Krishna, my mind is so confused. I'm completely overwhelmed with pity. I don't know what to do. Tell me exactly what I must do, please, Krishna. What's happening? Arjuna is showing some signs that he does not know what to do. He's admitting to his own ignorance and he surrenders completely to Krishna. This is what Krishna is waiting for. Total surrender. A person can only take in knowledge if they understand they do they, they do. not know. The minute you say, I know, you close yourself to any knowledge. You go to your GP. You can't, you can't go there and say, Doctor, I've come to you for advice. I'm feeling some pain in my knee, but I know what it is. Whatever the doctor say does not matter, then does it? You already know what it is, or you think you know what it is. You come to this class to learn this subject. You have to come with no preconceived ideas. This is a fact, by the way, when you come to this class, have no preconceived ideas. The minute you, you say, yes, I know what he's saying. I saw a YouTube video on this topic. You're close to anything that is being said. You're just comparing to what you already know. So you're not taking any fresh knowledge in. Your attitude should be, To anything you try to learn is, I don't know. When you say, I don't know, you're a blank canvas. You're prepared and ready to take in knowledge. Now in this verse, Krishna was waiting for this moment. Arjuna is saying three points, three main points in this verse. I am your disciple. I take refuge in you. Please guide me, instruct me what I should do. Arjuna is now ready to receive Krishna's guidance. Remember, knowledge is never given, it is taken. But Swamiji always says this knowledge is never given, it is taken. A person has to be ready to receive. Otherwise, anything you say to them goes over their heads. You try, you now have had some knowledge. Try to give this knowledge to someone who's not ready. They won't know what you're talking about. Mum is going to these silly classes, messed with her head coming out with all this nonsense. This is what they'll think. Because they're not ready. They're not ready to receive this knowledge. And this is how they'll say it. So Arjuna is now ready to receive. Krishna's been waiting for this stage. He's waited how many? 50 verses nearly. For Arjuna, Arjuna to come to this stage. And so have we. <laughs> Any questions?
2: So, okay. Ravi? Ojuna begins to show signs of recovering from his confused state of mind. In the first chapter, he felt an intellectual vanity that he could handle his complex situation himself. He raised several arguments that it was improper to fight. He concluded that it would be better to live on arms or let the Gauravas kill them. Only in the previous verse does he begin to doubt the intellectual stance that he had taken from the beginning. When a person humbles himself to admit his ignorance, he clears the passage for the first rays of knowledge to enlighten him. For the first time, Arjuna turns his attention towards himself and realises that something has gone wrong within. He admits his own nature has been soiled by weak pity. His mind is confused with regard to his obligatory duty. Should he fight as a true satriya warrior or respect his sentiments for his elders opposing him and retire from the battlefield? Admitting his inability to decide on the issue, Arjuna surrenders to Krishna. He pleads, I am your disciple. I take refuge in you. Tell me decisively what is the best course of action for my ultimate good. The surrender is complete. Krishna has waited for this moment. A true guru gives advice only when the disciple is fully prepared to receive it. Knowledge is taken, not given. Having exhausted his surface emotions with his intellect emerging out a cloud of confusion and his mind developing a feeling of devotion, Arjuna qualifies to receive the knowledge from Lord Krishna. Any questions?
0: Okay, last verse we're going to do because this is the last verse Arjuna shows his state of mind. The next class is Krishna all the way. Yeah, so let's enjoy one last verse. Verse eight. Nahi prapasya mi mama yad chokha chosanam indriyanam avapya bhuma vasapadnamardham Rajyam surna ma picadi Nahi prapas yami ma ma panutad Avapya boomavasapatna martam Rajyam surna ma picadi I do not see that which can remove the grief which is drying up my senses, even on obtaining prosperous and unrivaled kingdom on earth and lordship over the gods. So he's talking one last time from the depth of his grief. He's saying to Krishna, no matter what the reward is, the kingdom, this kingdom or kingdom of heaven reigning over the gods, I can't see how I'm going to get out of this grief that I'm feeling now. This is Arjuna's state. Now, what can you do? This is how he feels. You can only be sympathetic. So he's saying, Krishna, I don't think you can help me. How can you help me? Look at the state I'm in. See, some of us may have been in this state in our lives before. Close family member passes away. You lose your job. Divorce. Something bad happens. You sink so deep that you can't see beyond the grief you feel. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Some of us have been there. Some of you might think, well, I came out of it. Time is a great healer. But in Arjuna's case, he doesn't have time. The battle's going to begin in an hour or two. He doesn't have time to get over this. Lucky for him, he had Krishna on his side. As you said, when emotions take over your intellect, your intellect that thinks, reasons, is not available to you. So you can either go to someone who can help you, who has clear thinking, or you can help yourself with this knowledge. Remember, nothing stays the same in this world. Everything is changing all the time. Life is full of ups and downs, as we said. One minute you're healthy, next minute you're ill. One year you're wealthy, next year you lose your wealth. There are no guarantees anything can happen in life. It's a famous saying, even this shall pass away. Some of the old members, old class people know this saying from the poem. Even this shall pass away. So Arjuna asked Krishna for help and Krishna is not affected by anything that is going on. He has a giant intellect. So Krishna gives Arjuna the knowledge, which is the Gita, and lifts him up. And by the 18th chapter, he has fought and won the war. And Arjuna's whole attitude is totally different. He doesn't remember what he doesn't even remember chapter one. What do you mean I was like this? No way. I've demolished everything. Look, we've won. I've won. Different man on the 18th chapter. We have to wait till then. So if we can, Ravi, just read the last commentary, please.
2: In the previous verse, Ojuna surrenders completely to Krishna for advice on the course of action he should adopt. Nevertheless, his mind is filled with grief, a grief that consumes his senses. Ojuna cannot see how such a burning grief can be a- appeased. He believes even unrivaled sovereignty over the earth and lordship over the gods in heaven cannot quench the inferno raging within him. When when emotions overpower a person, he feels depressed. They sap his energy and reduce him to a state of helplessness and despair. He sees no way out of his misery. In the Shakespearean tragedies, Great heroes like Hamlet, Othello and King Lear saw no hope in the tormented lives of woe and suffering. They sank lower and lower into the abyss of agony and anguish, never to rise again. Arjuna too had sunk to such a state of depression, but with one difference. He was blessed with the great message of the Gita from Lord Krishna, the profound knowledge imparted by the Lord lifted Arjuna out of that abyss. Arjuna overcame his grief. He was rehabilitated with a new vision and energy. He rose again and fulfilled his role as a leader of his forces. Herein you read a message for all humanity. The Vedanta philosophy contained in the Gita enables you to face your challenges in life and and relieve your mental tension. Thereby, you successfully play your part in the world and fulfill your obligations in
0: life. Thank you. So the last four lines of this uh, paragraph says it all. The Vedanta philosophy contained in the Gita enables you to face your challenges in life and relieve your mental tension. Thereby, you successfully play your part in the world, fulfill your obligations in life. That's all we have to do. That's all we want to do in life. Fulfill our obligations. When we can't, this is where the Gita comes in. The philosophy contained in the Gita, the Vedantic knowledge contained in the Gita helps us to raise us so we can continue to fulfill our obligations in life, whatever that may be. So as you asked in the first, how does the Gita, which verse? All of it. So that's the end of today's class. And now, next class, this is where the philosophy starts. First verse Krishna gives his philosophy. The blessed Lord said, You have been grieving for those that should not be grieved for, and you speak words of wisdom. The wise grieve neither for the living nor for the dead. That's his verse, verse. Can you imagine what else is gonna be coming after that? You just understand that verse, finished. Gita is finished. So every verse is like that. That's how powerful his words are. And we've all endured seven classes to get to this stage. So it'll be worth it. Any questions? No, good. So we now begin the philosophy of the Gita next class. So make sure you join us. Great. Thank you for joining us today.